All right, hello, and welcome back to the Knights of the Gospel. Uh, it's been a while since I've made a podcast. I uh, never planned to go this long at first. I think the last episode or two, I actually mentioned some ideas that I'd had uh, to go through for you know episodes coming up after that. But uh, plans change, and actually, currently, I'm studying for a Master's of Divinity, uh, looking f- toward going into a ministry. So a lot of my time is actually taken up by that right now. So. As far as episodes go, moving forward, um, they're not going to be regular, at least for now. Um, probably when something comes up that I feel really needs addressed, kind of like today, um, then I'll make an episode. Uh, but there won't be a regular schedule of them, but I'll I'll try to at least get you know some out um, over time. Um, so the plans that I mentioned in past episodes, not doing those right now, really busy with the studying. Um, but I think, you know, that's going to have great benefit for the future and probably, uh, after these studies are done, I'll get back to this podcast hopefully and, um, there'll be a lot of good stuff to, to discuss. Um, so today I decided I do need to make an episode. I really needed to respond to something that I saw this week. Um, so the issue first came up or it was first brought to my attention when I saw a tweet by... Uh, somebody I never heard of him before, but after I saw this tweet, I kind of looked through some of his stuff. He seems really cool. I started following him. His name's Toby uh, Logsdon. I believe he's a pastor. Not sure where. I didn't really look too much into it. But uh, his tweet said, Farewell, Wren Collective. You have no authority to instruct Christians to disobey God in order to be on the right side of history. And instructing in this matter is downright sinful. You have accused God of being hateful. So, if you don't know, Wren Collective is a decently well-known Christian band. Uh, They've been around, I think, since 2013. Um, They've got some good songs. I've listened to quite a few of them. Um, I've really liked them. Um, But, of course, when I saw this tweet, I was immediately thinking, okay, well, what happened? Um, Going through some of the comments, some people had a screenshot of a post by Chris Llewellyn, who is one of the members of Wren Collective. And now... uh, when I went to his page, it was on his Instagram uh, post, so I went to his page to try and look at it myself. It was not there, so my assumption is he deleted it after uh, people, you know, brought it to his attention. I don't, I don't really know um, if he deleted it or maybe, you know, stories delete after 24 hours. Maybe I just got there too late. I don't really know when he posted it, um, but regardless, there were screenshots of the post um, under the uh under the tweet that I just mentioned. So I have a screenshot of it and I haven't looked too deeply into this issue, but I'm sure many of you heard of the issue of the uh, women's uh, swimming championship. I don't really know much other than somebody who is a man claiming to be a woman, a transgender. He won the, um, he won the swimming championship. Now I'm not going to go into the details of, um, you know, men and women's sports thing with the transgender situation there. I'm not looking at the sports situation today, although that is one definitely to look into. I'm really focused more on what Chris Llewellyn said regarding the situation. So on on his post, he's responding to a post by uh, KV Ministries, which is Chris Vallotton. Now, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I highly would uh, say ignore Chris Vallotton as much as you can. He's really not a good uh, Bible preacher. Um, he's 
he's off the deep end, really, with a lot of his beliefs and teachings. However, in this, I think I, I agree with him on this, kind of. He didn't really, I didn't read the caption that he had put, but um, the picture that he posted, it had a quote from uh, George Orwell from the book 1984, said, The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command, which if you've read that book, you can understand why uh, today there's a lot of things that look a lot like that book. But then above that picture of him having won the championship and with that quote, above that, it just says, this man won the women's swimming championship. And that's what uh, Chris Llewellyn is responding to. Uh, Here's what. Chris Llewellyn says, he says, however you feel about the implications for sports, a wider conversation for sure, calling a trans woman a man is hateful, unkind. Don't participate in this kind of speech. History won't be kind to you. So I'm going to respond to this because as someone who claims to be a Christian has made Christian music, I think this really needs addressed. Um, So... I, that's the main issue for today. That's what I want to look at. Now, before getting into that, I do want to put a little bit of a foundation of the biblical issue of transsexuality or transgenderism. I don't know what term would be better, but you guys know what I'm talking about. I want to put a, build a little bit of a biblical foundation uh, before we really get into this main issue. Uh, but the main issue is what Chris said. Um so this issue is definitely, it can and should be explored deeper. There's much more biblical basis for what I'm going to talk about. I'm kind of just going to hit a couple quick points, but there is a lot more there biblically. Um, but I'm just going to hit some of the big things that kind of give us a good foundation for the issue uh, for when I go in to, to talk about uh, what Chris said. So... The first place that I want to go, we're definitely gonna we're gonna ground this on scripture as always. First place I'm gonna go, we're going all the way to the beginning, and we're going to Genesis. All right, we're gonna go to Genesis chapter one, and I'm just gonna read verse 27 for now. And it says, "So God created man in His own image, in the image of God He created him, male and female He created them." So simple verse, but right here we get. Immediately, right off the bat, biblically, we see God intentionally created men and women. And their men and women are meant to reflect the image of God. Both man and woman reflect the image of God. But he is intentional about making man and woman. So, if we continue on in Genesis, we can go to chapter 2, verse 24. And based on this, him creating them man and woman... It then says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now notice, is a man and a wife. The the Bible never is like, oh, a, a man and his spouse or something. It's always, every context, man, woman, man, woman, right? And again, we've got the basis of God's creation uh, of human is built on these building blocks of man and woman and family comes out of a man and a woman becoming one flesh. That's how God designed it. It's supposed to be a man and a woman. Now, a lot of people will say, uh, "Oh, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. He never said anything about you know." And that's that could be a whole episode in itself. Um, I would recommend if you're thinking about this or struggling with it, I would go to 
listened to Vody Balcom gave a really good uh, response on this thought, um, talking about how maybe Jesus himself never explicitly said anything, but that's that's not the issue because a lot of people they're like oh i'm i focus on the red letters of the bible like that's did jesus say it oh no he never said it so we shouldn't follow it but there i wish i remember who said this because i want to give credit but a saying i heard that was really good one time was um yeah some bible publishers will print the words of jesus in red but did you know that all bible publishers print the words of the holy spirit in black because every word in the Bible is inspired by God. Every word in the Bible is breath from the Holy Spirit. So we can't just pick and choose like, oh, we're only going to read the red letters. No, that's not true. But for now, let's let's do look at what Jesus himself said. Matthew chapter 19, he grounds his understanding of marriage in Genesis. When they're, they're asking him about divorce here, but it applies because it's it's Jesus's understanding of marriage. He says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Again, Jesus saying that it's God made them male and female intentionally because the two of them are to become one flesh. Now, this is probably more directly um, uh, applicable to the issue of homosexuality, which is tied in with this. Um, but this applies to you know the issue of transsexuality as well, because God intentionally created male and female. He, he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't accidentally make someone something else, right? Um, and so Jesus is confirming you know God's original intention of male and female. Um, so let's go back to the Old Testament again and look at something else. We're going to go to Leviticus, and this is going to get a little more specific. Um, back to Leviticus. First, we're going to look in chapter 18, verse 22, which says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Clear and simple. Right? And now, I'm going to mention this again in a minute, but notice, it's not saying... You shall not have feelings or temptations. It says, you shall not do it. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. The thing to notice is when the Bible is condemning actions like this, it's just that it's actions. It's not about what you're tempted with. Because we're all tempted with things. After coming to know Christ, we're still tempted with things. We're all tempted every day in all kinds of things. Uh, it's not the temptation that's sinful. It's when you give in to that temptation. It's when you dwell on it and give into it. Uh, it's kind of a modern thing that we make our, you know, we make sexuality out to be an identity. It's really kind of a modern invention because historically, it's always just been about action. It's just what you do. Someone that's a homosexual, it doesn't mean that they have those desires and that makes them a homosexual. They're homosexual because they commit homosexuality because they do it. They they involve themselves in those actions. So, the, you know, modern day when people, you know, I'm born this way. For, well, for one, I'm going to say Jesus says you need to be born again. Um, for two, maybe, I don't know, there's differing uh, opinions on that, differing ideas regarding the science, whether it's actually true that you're born that way. But let's say you are, you're, you're born with those desires that, that doesn't it it doesn't mean that you're automatically condemned because you have those desires 
you're condemned if you uh, commit these actions and you don't repent and turn to Christ. Because anyone who's heterosexual, they're tempted uh, to commit you know, heterosexual acts outside of the bonds of marriage. That's also sinful. Those temptations can lead to sin. But it's not the temptation that's bad. It's it's the action of giving in to the temptation. So, uh, I'm going to move from Leviticus 18 to Leviticus 20. And again, it's pretty much the same exact thing. Leviticus 20, verse 13 says, If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. This is because this is a direct... Uh, I can't think of the the word I should use here, but it's it's going against God's natural order that He created. It's kind of it's saying, you know, God made us to be this way, but we're going to be another. Um, and now let's kind of make this even more specific to the transsexual issue. Deuteronomy twenty two verse five says. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. Now, some churches these days use this to mean that, like, you know, women can't wear pants at all. And, you know, I that's not true. I really do not think that was the intention of this command. The intention is just that we're not to confuse the genders. We're not to confuse the sexes between man and woman. If you are a man you should be a man. If you're a woman, you should be a woman. It's not really about the clothes themselves uh, that's sinful. It's about that confusion of God's created order, uh, that blurring of the order that, that should be very clear. It's our desire to kind of go against what God's made. You know, It's like, oh, you made me a man. Well, I want to be a woman. Or, oh, you made me a woman. I want to be a man. We're, we're going against what God created intentionally. Um, you know, in Romans, Paul says, does the, does the clay have the right to say to the potter, why did you make me this way? Now, that's not exactly the context that Paul's talking about in that verse, but I think it applies um, that we don't really have a right to tell God that he made a mistake. Uh, now, we're looking in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. We have to be careful when we look into these because these are laws that were given specifically to the nation of Israel. So I want to make that clear. We can't just go into the Old Testament, into the books of the law, and then take everything that's in there and then say, that's how we should live now. Um, so, when I say that, you might be thinking, well, then why are you applying these verses? Well, let's go to the New Testament. We're going to go to Acts. After uh, Christ has um, given the sacrifice and risen to heaven, and you know he commands the apostles to spread the word, as the word spreads out into the world there becomes some confusion because now Gentiles are coming into the faith, which was originally more, it was just a Jewish thing. Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. Uh, it, he was to ransom the nation of Israel. Now, God always had in mind saving the Gentiles through this. We see this in Genesis. Um, it's, this is a great thing we can go into some other time. But um, as the Gentiles are coming into the faith, there becomes these debates where people are like, well, should they follow our laws You know, from, from, the, from Moses or, you know, there just becomes confusion. Do they need to follow these laws or not? And so they actually have a council, the Jerusalem council, and they discuss these things. Um, and at the end of the council, they send a letter back to the Gentile believers. And towards the end of the letter, they say, um, here, here's kind of their conclusion of 
you know, do Gentiles need to follow the, the old laws? It says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than the, these requirements. Also, I forgot to mention this Acts chapter 15. That was verse 28. Moving to verse 29 now. That you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So they're saying, yeah, you don't need to follow all the laws of the book of Moses, but there are certain laws that you need to still follow. And one of those they mentioned is sexual immorality. So when we look at this, we realize that we need to follow all those laws of sexual immorality that were established in the book of Moses. Uh, because what we see, and, and it, this becomes clearer over the greater context of the New Testament, is that the civil and ceremonial laws of the book of Moses don't apply to us now. However, the moral law that was present in those laws stands for all time. We're still held accountable to follow those moral laws, and the sexual laws are one of those. So, it's confirmed here by the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 that the sexual laws of the Old Testament still apply today for all believers. And that's why I can go back and find those verses from Leviticus and from Deuteronomy, and even though not everything in those books applies to me today, these verses do, because they're in that context of the sexual laws, which are part of God's moral laws. Now, I, I want to just say this again, as I mentioned before, it's about action, it's not about temptation. So these laws are, they're, you know, you, you can't always control what you feel, what you're tempted to do, but you control what you do about it. So when we're commanded not to be sexually immoral, that doesn't mean you can choose not to have certain desires, but you can choose what you do about it, and that's what these laws are talking about. So now I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians, if I can find it. Here, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 9 through 11. And this is um, kind of after we understand, you know, how it's wrong to commit these acts. We start to think, oh, well, you know, what happens if you um, if you have committed them? Also, I just realized I clicked the wrong thing. I was in 1 Corinthians 9. I need to be in 1 Corinthians 6. Verses 9 through 11. Okay. So now, so we understand the command that um, man should be with woman, not man with man, not woman with woman. And man and woman, they should be separate. You can't be confusing these two, right? So now, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's the good news in this verse. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is where the good news comes in. There are many people in the early church even that committed all of these sins, and yet they were washed by Jesus Christ. They turned from their sin, and now they can inherit the kingdom of God. When we read this list of people that can't inherit the kingdom of God, pretty much we all realize, oh, I'm, I'm disqualified. And that's the point. When we read through all the, all the things that we have to follow in the Bible, we're all disqualified from the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came and, and died and took the punishment that we deserve for our sins so that we can then be forgiven and we can have the righteousness of God. But by doing that, you know, we all, we need to turn from our sins in doing that. 
But the good news is that there is a way out. There is a way to turn from those sins and, and to be freed from the wrath that is to come uh, by placing your tr- faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Um, and with this, I also want to say um, a lot of times today in, in this conversation, and it seems like Chris Llewellyn was kind of um, almost saying this, but many people will say, you know, oh, um, you just hate these people. Oh, you just hate gay people. You hate transsexual people. That's not true in the slightest. We as Christians, we love everybody. But I don't think love means letting people continue. Or Well, I, that's a bad choice of words, letting people. I, I, I don't choose what people do. But I don't think love means being silent when people are committing something that puts them on the path to destruction. And I'm going to talk about this a little more when I get into that main issue there. But... Um, disagreement is not hate. We as Christians, we love these people. We want them to turn to Christ and be freed from their sin. That's not hate. That's love. But that doesn't mean we agree with everything. Just because you disagree doesn't mean you hate them. That's why I hate the terms, you know, homophobe, transphobe, all that stuff. Because, well, for one, phobe indicates fear, um, which is not true. But also, people use it as if to mean, oh, you hate these people. But that's not true at all. Um, I, I don't hate anybody. Um, most Christians, I'm sure there's some that probably struggle with it, and some of them probably struggle with it, and, and they're trying to get better. Some of them probably, they they don't care, in which case I'd say they really need to check their heart before God. But no, no Christian that's really honoring Christ is hating anybody. Because someone who has a real, true view of the gospel understands that I'm just as guilty before God as they are. We've all committed sins that that earn us the wrath of God. The only difference between me and somebody else is that I've been saved by Christ. I want that for somebody else. It's not hate to disagree. It's not hate to stand there and say, hey, this is wrong, but I can show you the way out. That's not hate at all. I, I really wish there was more meaningful discussion around that rather than just name-calling. Um, but with the foundation of this issue laid, and of course, like I said before, you could really go more into depth with it. There's a lot more uh, biblically to study on this topic, but I think we got a kind of a good foundation laid so that we can go into our specific issue here with uh, Chris Llewellyn's post. So I want to kind of go through what he said uh, kind of line by line here. Um, his first line was, however you feel about the implications for sports, which is a wider conversation for sure. I'll stop it there. Um, this is why I'm not really talking about the uh, the sports issue today because that's not really what he's talking about either. Um, I don't know where he stands on that, um, but I figured that's that's a whole different topic for today. That's not what I'm going to discuss because that's not what he's discussing. So next line, he says, calling a trans woman a man is hateful and unkind. Now, calling a trans woman a man, which the way the world says a trans woman means a man who says he's a woman, that would just be the truth. So Chris Llewellyn here is saying that telling the truth is hateful. Now, could somebody be saying that with hateful intent? Absolutely, sure. Um, I'm sure there's people that do, and not, you know I disagree with that. There shouldn't be hate. There shouldn't be um, name-calling. There shouldn't be bullying. Uh, these are all wrong things. But just calling what the world would call a trans woman, just calling that person a man in and of itself, I don't think that's hateful. It's truth. You know, Jesus was all about the truth. That offended people. 
He wasn't killed for being nice. Why would they kill him if he didn't offend anybody? That's the whole thing. He came, he told truth, he called people out that needed called out, and they killed him for it. Uh, it, it and it wasn't in hate. He wasn't being hateful. He was trying to call them to repentance. Uh, and many people did. They, they turned to him in repentance. Uh, but it's not hateful to say the truth about somebody. In fact, I've heard many times um, in like... Uh, the uh, stories of people who were trans for a while and, and then they, they come back, they turn to Christ. One thing I hear from almost all of them is they say they are so thankful for the people in their life who did not confirm who they were. One, you know, she was talking about her mother would not call her a man, would not call her by her male name. And at the time she thought it was bad, but as she turned away, she realized that was the true love and that's what she's thankful for. So, you know, Typically, when people come out of this, they're thankful for the people that did not um, sacrifice the truth in order to be loving. Uh, we can be loving while still saying truth. And kind of along this line, um, I actually saw just this morning, um, I thought it was really kind of uh, good timing here. Just this morning, I saw a tweet from Tony Evans um, he says, love is never to be divorced from truth. You don't excuse truth in order to maintain love. You speak truth in a way that demonstrates love. You can only do this, though, when your goal is to build up and not to tear down. Fully agree. Fully agree with that. That We cannot um, excuse truth to show love. That's the point. You know, um, Chris Llewellyn saying it's hateful to say the truth about somebody. I, no, I think it is loving to say the truth. What I think hate is, is if you're going to lie to people in their confusion when they're in danger. Because like we read before here, that the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. And in 1 Corinthians 6, we see you can come out of that. There were people that did come out of it. But if you stay in it, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So I think what would be hate is to tell someone, no, you're okay when they're not when they're in danger. If if one of my friends is going to drive off and I look down and I see maybe the the brakes on his car are broken that's leaking brake fluid or whatever, if I say, oh, you're good, man, see you later, that's hateful. How much do I have to hate him to not tell him, look, dude, you've, you're in danger? Um, the hate is to tell someone that they are okay when they're on the path to destruction. That is really hateful. What's love is to say, look, this way is wrong. This way is leading to death. Turn. That's love. His next line, he says, uh, he says, don't participate in this kind of speech. Again, like I said before, that's not love to refuse to tell the truth to someone. It's not love to refuse to call someone back from the path of destruction. And I think we've got some good basis scripturally for, you know, calling people out of, of the path of destruction. Um, in the book of Jude, and there's no chapters, just verses. So verse, I'm going to read verse 7 and 8 first, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 11. Um, verse 7 and 8 says, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued natural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. Now, the people he's talking about here are people that outright teach that it's okay to involve yourself in these things. Um, so, 
it's not exactly what Chris Lowen is doing, but I think we can draw some wisdom from this. Now I'm going to continue to go in verse 11. It says, Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain, to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. How can you read that and then think it's okay to just let this stuff go? Um... So like I said, this section here is really talking about people who are outright teaching it is okay to be involved in in sexual immorality, um, yet they're claiming to follow Christ. Now, I don't think, now, maybe he believes this, but in this post, Chris Llewellyn is not necessarily saying that it is okay to be involved in sexual immorality, but he's really kind of claiming that telling them the truth is hate. So he's making way, at the very least, for people like this who who teach that these things are okay. And in here, we get that message from God here in Jude that um, the gloom of utter darkness is reserved for these people. And Chris alone is, I don't think he's, he may not intentionally be, but he's making a way for people like that. He's kind of taking their side by saying it's hateful to tell the truth. Uh, I don't know how you could read that and not think someone needs to tell them the truth. Uh, we saw in Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis these cities that were uh, just indulging in sexual immorality like crazy. They were punished, and it was not pretty. And that is coming on this world that does not repent and turn from Christ. It is not loving to know that this is coming upon people who do not repent, do not return to Christ, and then just let it go and not say anything. What's loving is to say, look, there is judgment coming. Turn and be saved by Jesus Christ. He's offered a way out. Turn to him. That's love. Kind of along these same lines, I'm going to read a section in Romans chapter 1. I think I'm going to start, really the whole chapter is good, that will kind of apply to this. Um, I'm going to start in verse 24, and I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. It says, therefore God gave them up, this is talking about people who have repeatedly rejected Christ. This is what happens to people that constantly reject him. And earlier in Romans, um, it's mentioned that they're without excuse because creation reveals a creator, and people's consciences reveal to them that they are guilty. We all have this conscience in us that reveals to us that we've done wrong. So we know we've done wrong, we know there's a creator, or at the very least we're without excuse for knowing these things, but we continue to reject him and this is what happens. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creator rather or the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those who are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in, self, receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. 
They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And that's my focus there is verse 32. They know that God's decree is that those who practice these things deserve to die. And yet, not only do they do them, they give approval to those who practice them. This is serious stuff. God is putting on the same level of people who do these things, people who give approval to those who practice them. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that Chris Llewellyn is approving of people who are caught up in this. But he's at the very least making a way for people that do give approval to it. And he's kind of taking their side because he's backing away from telling the truth. And he's telling others that it is hateful to tell the truth. But God doesn't take kindly to people that want to make room for sin. Especially when we know it leads to destruction and we refuse to say anything about it. And along those lines, in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, God says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe is, that's not a a good thing. You don't want woe uh, because it means judgment is coming to those who switch good and evil. And based on Chris Llewellyn's post, it seems that he has switched good for evil. He's saying that it's hateful to share the truth. That's calling good evil. And so I would be I would be very cautious to ever say anything like what he said. Now he mentioned as well at the end here, he says, History won't be kind to you. Talking to the people that Refuse to lie, and if a man is a man, he calls him a man, and if a woman is a woman, he calls him a woman, or calls her a woman, even if that person disagrees. Someone who refuses to tell a lie, refuses to turn a blind eye to what is going to bring judgment on someone, he says that history won't be kind to these people. A couple things that I want to mention on that is, for one, it seems like in the context of this we're kind of talking we're talking about man's history when what gets written in the history books how do people look back on us when we're gone when it comes to that we're talking about man's history i don't care and any faithful christian shouldn't care what history thinks of you because all throughout the the history of the church people have been slaughtered torn apart beaten killed you know all these things for following Christ, I think a mean history book about you is is not that bad. I don't really care what the world thinks of me. Um, that's not my concern, right? And uh, what came to my mind, too, is a meme that I saw, and uh, it's from the show Rick and Morty. I've never watched the show. I I can't speak on the show. To my understanding, it's probably not the best show to watch, but 
I'm not speaking on that, but as far as the meme I saw, and again, I don't know the context of this line either, but just this line itself I thought was cool. Uh, this guy said, he says, uh, your booze mean nothing to me because I've seen what makes you cheer. And that really kind of fits in with with this when it comes to the world. It's like the world booing us and hating on us, it should mean nothing because we see what the world likes. They like the things that God hates and they hate the things that God likes. I'm concerned with being on God's side. I'm not concerned with what history thinks. I'm not concerned with being on the good side of history. I don't care. But additionally, history is directed by God. So, yeah, man's history might, let's say it does look, let's say it is unkind to those of us who take a stand for truth. I don't care. But the thing is, history is actually, it's directed by God. He directs what happens in history, and he will bring history to an end. So I have a hard time thinking that those who stand up for God in the end are going to be seen negatively by history. Because when God brings history to an end, it's those who have stood for truth and stood on his side that are going to be seen on the right side of history. And I think, speaking to Chris, now I don't think he'll ever hear this, but if he does, you know, if you don't repent, it's you that history won't be kind to. It's not us who stand for truth and stand for God. And I just pray that you and anyone else who maybe wants to make a way for people to disobey God, turn back to the Lord. Turn back to Him. Ask for forgiveness. He will forgive you, and let's serve God rightly. So, I... Closing this out, I just want to encourage everybody, speak the truth, but let's do it in love too. Like I mentioned before, I don't hate anyone who has or is committing these sins because I've committed sins myself. I deserve the wrath of God myself. I, I cannot judge in a way that says, you know, oh, I'm better than you. That's not true. Um, but I can say that based on the words that God has revealed to me, what you're doing is wrong. And like I said, well, I've done wrong things too. I'm not trying to say that it's that I'm better because I'm not doing it. I'm definitely not. But I want to say with love, what you're doing is wrong. And God, if you don't turn to Him, He will judge that. But the good news, as I mentioned before, is that there is a way out. Jesus Christ took the punishment, took the wrath that we deserve from God. He took it upon himself on that cross so that we can have his righteousness and he took our sin and then crushed it on the cross. Our sins can be wiped away and we can be seen as righteous before God and serve him faithfully and he will be with us to the end. There's no greater joy than to be in the love of God. And so I say to anybody who either is struggling with this, is just outright committing it is just maybe has done it in the past just look to the cross for forgiveness and you know i pray that god will work on all of your hearts to to uh bring you to him just as he's worked on mine to bring me to him out of my sin uh, so i'm gonna go ahead and pray real quick and then i'll uh get us out of here but uh Lord, we come to you today and we, we thank you for the word that you've given us, the truth that you've revealed to us in your word. Above all, we thank you for the sacrifice that you've given 
that we can be seen as clean and righteous before you. We thank you that uh, you, you took the wrath on yourself that we deserved. And we just pray that all those who are absent from you, Lord, that their hearts can turn to you and, and see that you are the way out, that you will provide the forgiveness that they need. We just pray that you, you bring them to you, Lord. And as we continue on, those of us who do know you, Lord, I pray that, that we have the courage and the strength to stand up and share the truth, but that we also we do that in love. We pray that you help us to present the truth in a loving way that helps people to turn from the path of destruction and to come to your love, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So like I said at the beginning, I'm currently studying quite a bit, so um, it may be a while before I get another episode out. Um, Today I just felt this was very important to share. Um, If something else comes up, I'll plan to make another episode. Uh, I, uh, I wish I could have them coming out a little more consistently, but, you know, there's a lot going on, and um, there's plenty of great podcast things out there for everybody, so um, there's not a lack that I need to be filling, for sure, um, although I would like to, but um, hopefully that there's another episode before long. Um, I can't give a, a exact time, maybe another one comes out, but I'll try to be having them come out, um, but it won't be very consistent, unfortunately, but um, just thank you for listening, if you listen to the whole thing, and uh, just search God's word for his truth, you know, uh, lean on him for all of your understanding, and uh, have a good day, thanks.